0: Today's message is entitled, Hope Doesn't Disappoint. Hope Doesn't Disappoint. Chris and I were praying, and Lena, before the meeting, and Chris, I don't know if you remember, but you said that phrase, Hope Doesn't Disappoint. Now, you find that amazing things happen in prayer before a meeting, and that often what is prayed without someone knowing it is what is in the message or in the worship. And the Holy Spirit loves to weave through everything his message. So today is entitled, Hope, hope Doesn't Disappoint, and it's a scripture quote from Romans. And I'm going to pray and then lead you in a prayer. So Father, I want to thank you for your hope And we're asking that we would rise today with your hope and that you would fill us with your hope as we trust in you and that hope would be our mindset and what our hearts are fixed on is your hope. Give me grace to share. Let your anointing flow. Let your river flow. And let this be a place of your signs, wonders, and miracles. Even for those at home, we pray for those who are listening, that you would touch their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's pray this nice and loud with convictions, conviction. <laughs> with conviction with Hands on our hearts and uh, say this with me. Dear Jesus, fill my heart with your hope in your precious name amen amen so let's get into this hope doesn't disappoint and we're continuing on our theme of hope before we get into this registration is now closed for our outpouring unit Uh, we've been having a great time if you do want to come and visit you can come by invitation if you have somebody that wants to come, just let me know, and uh, it's possible to visit by invitation. Now, so that's about the outpouring unit. If you want to get involved in our next semester, holyfireschool.com, uh, and our next semester, that, there, our intake will be December and January time. So that's our next intake is December and January time. Moving forward here and getting into the message, hope is not a mirage. Hope is not a mirage. Let's look at Romans 5.5, 5. and I actually want to read, uh, we'll start reading 5.5. 5. I'll read it from the NIV, but it's from the NASB that it says that hope does not disappoint. The NIV puts it like this, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And hope does not put us to shame or hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, we all know about mirages. If you're in the desert, you're longing for water, you're looking out, and because the the sun can play tricks on your eyes, and it can look like there's an oasis ahead, but really the, uh, the oasis is a mirage, and it looks hopeful, but when you get closer to it, there's no hope in it. It's sand. It's a mirage. But what I want to say about God's hope is that God's hope is not a mirage. God's hope is not a mirage. It's something that we can put confidence and certainty in. And I'll explain that more as we go. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we'll read this passage here. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, to truly understand this, we need to meditate on it, continually to continually read it, and draw from it. But the main thing I'm wanting to bring out from that passage is that hope is not a mirage. It does not come and go. It's not false. God's hope is, is real. There's a difference between human hope and God's hope. If you place your hope in people, places, events, and things, they will disappoint you. Now, pay attention to this. If you place your hope in people, places, events, and things, they will disappoint you. That's human hope. But if you place your hope in God and his solid word, he won't disappoint you. Did you get the contrast between the two? If you place your hope in God and his solid word, he won't disappoint you. But people can disappoint because of our sinful nature, places, you know, we think, oh, if I go to this place, all my problems are going to be solved. And, but remember, whatever place you go, you bring yourself. <laughs> So I saw a comedy routine where a guy was advertising about Italy and he says, listen, I can take you to Italy and take you to these nice spots, but if you're depressed where you are right now, you go to Italy, you'll still be sad. (laughs) It's not gonna change fundamentally who you are. If you're always fighting, uh, you go to Italy, you'll probably still be fighting. So I can't promise you, <laughs> I can't promise you the world here. Sometimes, and, and if you have a good heart, though, you go to a place that's beautiful and it brings inspiration. But places may not be, uh, you know, places put our hope in places and they can fall short. Events, uh, there's a lot of hope in events and things, and they disappoint. But hope in God, or they're a little, I'd like to say it like this, it's a little bit of a mixed bag with people, places, events, and things. Sometimes they disappoint, and sometimes they don't, and that's what gets you. Uh, But ultimately, these things will fall short. But if you place your hope in God and his solid word, he won't disappoint you. So let's develop this some more. Here is 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and I want to show you one of the the things I do is I write out the Greek, and then I translate it. I first start with a very literal translation, and I want to bring out three words here. Uh, I won't read it all to you. But I also want to, the reason why I want to show you the Greek there is it should look, oh, that looks Greek to me, right? <laughs> it, the reason why I want to show you that is because a lot of us think that the English version is the, uh, the standard. And really, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and the Old Testament in Hebrew. And the English have come along and hijacked the Bible in some way. Uh, at least some of them have and thinking that uh, it's the bible is an english thing rather than from first and foremost from israel and then and then written in greek in the new testament i had one incident very recently where i was translating some scripture and the guy said how dare you change the king james version to me now the guy is very zealous out and witnessing here and there Oh, he said it like this, who do you think you are to change the King James Version? And so I said um, to him, I tried to be very gracious, but I said the King James Version is not the standard. The standard is the original languages, uh, when it, what it was originally written in. So this kind of, this, this thought that uh, how dare you change Whatever your preferred version is, uh, can be dangerous. Uh, we should value all different translations that are good, hearing it uh, with a fresh perspective. Now, the first three words there say, but now remains, but now remains. And then we have this word, pistis, which we learned in Bible school, pistis. But now remains trust. And then, el peace. El peace is the word that we're focusing on today, which is hope. So, peace pistis, elpis, hope, but now remains trust, hope, and agape. Have you heard of agape? Most people have heard of agape. There's a Greek word there, but I'm showing it to you in the original. So now remain pistis, elpis, agape, love, Now, but now remains trust, hope, love. The three things but the greatest of these is the love. In the original, it's the love. You know, there's an accent there on the love. So, but this is very literal here, but now remains trust, hope, love, the three things, but the greatest of these is the love. So this is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So here's how I translate this in a poetic way. So I first usually start with something literal, and then I go to uh, here a a poetic way. "Now Now remains trust, hope, love. God's dynamic trio, yet the lead role goes to love. So this is how I would like to communicate it, especially this morning. Now remains trust, hope, love. God's dynamic trio, and I'm thinking of a trio of an orchestra or a jazz band, yet the lead role goes to love. Now today we're meditating on hope, but hope cannot, or and, and trust we were meditating on before, but we can never get out of our sight the purpose of trust and hope, and that is love. The lead role goes to love. Oh, where's Valerie? The ducks. (laughs) Valerie loves ducks. (laughs) And we have to get our ducks in a row. And by, by this little image, what I'm saying is in order to get to love, you need faith and hope. You need trust and hope to get to love. You're not going to be able to love God or love people without trust and hope. So trust and hope should always be leading to love. And that's the goal and that's the purpose. Observe the connection between trust, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. Love is the greatest of these three. But realize it's impossible to love without trusting and hoping in God. Trust and hope is the foundation for love to spring through you to the world around you. So trust and hope is the fountain, the fountain. I think I might have said foundation at first, but both apply. Trust and hope is the fountain for love to spring through you to the world around you. Hallelujah. Now, I'll show you this also in Colossians 1.5. And one of my projects has been translating Colossians, a fresh Colossians, and we'll be talking about this more in the Bible school. But here's a scripture art that I did for that translation. Colossians 1.5a, your love. And here Paul is speaking about the Colossians' love. Your love springs from the hope securely stored for you in the heavens. Your love springs from the hope securely stored for you in the heavens. So they had love because of the hope that they had, and this hope was securely stored for them in the heavens, this eternal life that God promises us. And now... A new infographic, which it goes along with our series where we've been looking at things like trust, and the seed, and time, and now we're up to hope. So I'll zoom in here and you can, just like the other weeks, you can download this at the Inspiration Fire online store. You go to brisbanefire.com. You click on the Inspiration Fire online store. It's a free download uh, for this next week. And, yeah, you can download a high-quality version. It'll give you a PNG file and a PDF file. You can print it out for yourself, or you could just put it on your phone or your computer. And I'm hoping that it helps you meditate on these glorious truths of God's Word. Let's zoom in here. Hope. Now, here's Romans 15, 13, uh, which we talked about last week. This is my translation of it. Now, the God who knows the future, who is hope, fill you with effervescent joy and restorative peace as you trust in his faithfulness. Then you'll abound, overflowing with hope, God's own confident expectation by the Holy Spirit's power. So that's Romans 15, 13, and then I'll read it here from the NIV version. I want you to hear it from a few different perspectives. Uh, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is hope? I'll first go through this, across it quickly, and then we'll read it. Uh, or, or we'll go into it in some more depth. So hope is his outlook, perspective, and expectancy. We're talking about God's uh, outlook, perspective, and expectancy. Hope is his outlook, perspective, and expectancy expectancy. Let's talk about this. So hope is from God. Again, there's two types of hope. We learned about the human hope, which is not from God. It's just from ourselves. But when we're talking about the hope that the Bible is persuading us to have, it's talking about that hope that is from God. Hope is from God. It's not our wishful thinking, Instead, hope is who God is and how he thinks. It's God's own confident expectation and comes from the Holy Spirit's power within us. So it's the Holy Spirit's power within us that gives us God's own hope. And this is the hope that we had. Now, I think of my early days And when we planted the church, my hope was, oh, we're going to grow hundreds and thousands, and uh, you know, this big, big vision. And uh, and that, my hope at that time, God had to correct me. But my hope that time was, uh, we'll be really big. And so I prayed in that way. But then I had to learn that my hope needed to be God's hope. And I needed to believe God for his growth in his time and in his way. Now, I share my own kind of silliness and foolishness, and it's embarrassing to me to even share that. But uh, I had to trust God with his timing. I had to learn his way. Coming out of revival, of course, the revival in Pensacola, of course, I expected great things from God. I still expect great things from God, but not determined by... uh, what I want or what I think, it is a trusting, when we believe for great things from God, we're trusting God's way, God's will, God's time. And so this is important because our hearts get hurt when we think, oh, God didn't meet my expectation. It's, God is not meant to meet our expectation, whatever we put on him, Rather, our hope is to come from God and we are to get his hope inside of us, which comes from the Holy Spirit's power within us. So there are great things that we can hope hope for. According to scripture, we should be hoping for a great harvest in the end times. But how he does it, we don't know exactly, but we should just say, Lord, use me. Use me. I want to be fruitful for you. How it happens, we, we don't know. We cannot put our uh, dictates on God. So hope is his, is his. And then the next thing is outlook. Hope is God's attitude, his outlook. He knows the future and has already sealed his victory over sin, death, darkness, sickness, and the dead. So he knows the future and he's already sealed his victory over sin, death, darkness, sickness and the devil. Look at Romans 16:20 it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet you may have noticed this before but here is some paradox because when we think of peace we think of everything being quiet we don't think of warfare we don't think crushing but notice it's but notice it's crushing under your feet the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet so he's going to use your feet to crush satan hope has the same outlook as the lord it's certain that his word declare it's certain what his word declares about the past present and future so hope is certain about i would like to put that in this Uh, Hope is certain about what his word declares about the past, the present, and the future. It was his outlook, his attitude, that attitude of victory, of triumph that he has because he has won the victory and it is unfolding in our time, in our age. So the next thing about hope is hope is God's perspective. perspective. Hope is God's perspective, how he sees things. God sees from above, perceiving the end from the beginning. Hope puts our problems into perspective. It shows us that what matters is his will and his purposes. Hope is like a hot air balloon that causes you to rise above the world's problems. And that's why I have these pictures of the hot air balloons, because... Hope causes you to rise above the problems. Now, let's look at a few verses here. We already read before Romans 5, 1 through 7 from our last thing, uh, our last point. Now, Revelation 21, 6. Revelation 21, 6. And a whole uh, framework of life should be set by... This verse, he said to me, it is done. So this, is a, this was spoken over 2,000 years ago. This is in the book of Revelation. But it, for God, it's already done. It, it, for God, the victory is already won. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now we're learning Greek at Bible school. We know Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. <laughs> It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And and that's no mirage. If you're thirsty and you come to the Lord for water, He will give it to you freely from the spring of the water of life. And then if you go to Isaiah 46.10, Isaiah 46.10. We read, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I, I say my purpose will stand, and I will do what I please. I don't need to make much comment there, I think. God says it very clearly. (laughs) Now Titus chapter 2 verse 13. After 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus chapter 2 verse 13. Before this it's talking about the grace of God. And then it says in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope. Notice that phrase, the blessed hope. While we wait for the blessed hope. Now what is that blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus will return again. He will establish his kingdom on earth. He will restore all things. And this is our blessed hope. It is not just hope for us going to heaven and being out of this world, it's hope of Jesus returning back from heaven, from the clouds, and establishing his kingdom on earth. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So these are Paul's words to Titus, his son in the Lord. So hope is God's perspective, and it lifts us up, and it causes us to see things from that eternal perspective, God's perspective. And then last thing, so it's his uh, his outlook, perspective, and expectancy. And now the last thing is expectancy. Hope is the expectancy and anticipation of God's goodness. Not that God's going to come and uh, harm you, but for the righteous, it's an expectation and anticipation of God's goodness. Specifically, it's participation in God's assurance. So the assurance that God has about the future, the the assurance that God has about the world and what he will do to restore, the assurance that God has about his victory, it's participating in that, his expectancy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Can I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. That's good. So... It's participating in God's assurance. He cannot lie. Now, this is a big point uh, repeated a couple of times in Scripture, or more than a couple of times. He cannot lie. Therefore, his hope is not a mirage and never disappoints, as we were saying in the beginning. Our expectations of people, things, and events often dishearten us. That's why we need to base our expectancy on who God is and what he's promised. So let's look at a few of these. We're already in Titus, so we'll go to Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2. I'll just start off with Paul's introduction here. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life. Again, that hope there is not a wishful thinking Oh, I'm humble, I don't, have, I don't know if I have eternal life. but the, It's more of a certainty. It's a certainty, the certainty of eternal life. Of the truth that leads to godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. So This is a promise not in the middle of time, but before the beginning of time. In hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at its, at His appointed season, He has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. All right, he, Hebrews now, Hebrews six eighteen through nineteen, it says something very similar, and the reason why we're saying all these scriptures is to really get this deep down in our hearts so that it becomes like an anchor to our souls, so we're not pushed around by the storms and the wind that's blowing. (laughs) The wind's blowing before and things were shaking, but we will not be shaken. Hebrews 6.18 God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now there's a talk in the commentaries about, well, why does he go from uh, one analogy to another over to a naval analogy of an anchor? But what I believe the analogy here, especially in the context of the temple, is he's talking about the, the ropes and the tent pegs that anchor the tabernacle. So you, you could, if you want, think of it as an anchor to a ship. But here in the context, what I believe it's saying is that like the tabernacle in the wilderness was anchored down by these ropes and these tent pegs, so God through hope anchors us so we are not blown away in the wilderness and that we can enter into the most holy place like Jesus. So that is how I would describe that. Well, of course, there's different people that talk you know, talk about the, the different options there. The main being, being the naval one is the main one that you usually hear. So Psalm 27, verse 13. Psalm 27, verse 13. I remain confident of this, and hope is confidence. Hope is confidence. I remain, remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Also, hope has to do with waiting. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So I'll repeat that one. Oh, I'll go to... Why did I say 13 through 15? It's 13 and 14. So I will change that. (laughs) Uh, So Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And that really is hope in action there through David's psalm. Moving forward. And now we're coming close to an end. Hope is Christ in us. This is what I want to see. I want you to see the difference today between that human hope and God's hope. Hope is Christ in us it's jesus living in us thinking in us and adjusting our attitudes to his own attitude so there's times in our life where we feel hopeless and we hear situations and reports of people being sick and different things going wrong and all of these things can affect our attitude all of these things can come and weigh us down and when we feel that weight That's when we really need Christ at work in us. And hope is that. It's Jesus living in us, thinking in us, and also adjusting our attitudes to his own attitude. And his attitude is an attitude of victory and triumph and certainty and assurance. And we believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, But we even know that if somehow someone passes away in this life, that they have eternal life. So nothing can really defeat us. But right now, we battle for everyone for uh, full healing and life and, and joy in the Lord. We don't want the devil robbing anyone. So his glory residing within us enables us to anticipate his goodness his glory residing within us enables us to anticipate his goodness not just for us but for the world and the ages so his glory residing within us enables us to anticipate his goodness but god wants to get us out of just a a self-focus an egocentric perspective and have hope his hope for the world, and for the ages. You'll see this perspective This perspective in Paul. We're reading Paul right now at Bible school. And this is something that I touched on a couple weeks ago. Hope sees beyond yourself. Hope sees beyond yourself. It gets lost in God's eternal plan for his bride, Israel, and the nations. I want to repeat that one again. It gets lost in God's eternal plan for his bride, Israel, and the nations. Hope sees that you're a piece of the puzzle contributing to what matters. Christ's love triumphing, not uh, Trump, it's triumphing. (laughs) Christ's love triumphing over humanity, time, and space. Christ's love triumphing over humanity, time, and space. And that's what matters. And we're a piece of the puzzle in that. It's not all about us. It's not all about me. It's not all about this church. It's about God's eternal purpose and plan. We as a church play a little piece in that puzzle. Each one of us play a piece in that puzzle. And our piece is important, too, the puzzle. But what matters is Christ's Exaltation, Christ's glory, Christ's triumph, Christ's return and humanity and time and space being restored and redeemed. That's the Lord's vision. Hope is optimism, but not humanly manufactured optimism. Hope is optimism, but not humanly manufactured optimism. It's God's enthusiasm for what he has accomplished in Christ. The mustard seed that the father planted, his own son, will become the greatest plant in his garden. Hallelujah. The mustard seed that the father planted, his own son, will become the greatest plant in his garden. His seed has taken root. It's growing. Soon its buds will blossom for all to see. Humankind will stand in awe of his goodness or attempt to hide from his holiness, as we see in Revelation. Humankind will will stand in awe of his goodness or attempt to hide from his holiness as the glory of his kingdom restores the world. And I do want us to see this picture in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That next semester we'll be focusing on the book of Revelation and the kingdom. That's in January and February, or probably February 2024. I'm I'm already thinking ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is the great hope we have. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe. Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy. Say trustworthy with me. And true. The idea of something being true in Scripture is faithful, solid, certain. And then, of course, what we read before. And I'm going to read this whole passage because there is the the positive and the negative in this. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my people. But the cowardly the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death." No commentary there. Just reading the word for as as it is. This is why it's important to come to those living waters. Find life in him. Lastly, our journey of hope must go beyond egocentric hope and find its home in theocentric hope. God is the center of biblical hope rather than our self-interest. And this is what really, I find what really uh, strikes at our hope or it pops the balloon of our hope, is when our hope is based on ourselves and our self-interest. And here we need to go up higher, get lost in God's plan, in his hope, in what he is doing. God is the center of biblical biblical hope, rather than our self-interest. God's love is at the heart of hope, a love that pours itself out for others. So then we remember what we were talking about in the beginning. These three three remain. We usually hear it faith, hope, and love. I like to say trust. Trust, hope, and love. Trust, hope, and love. These three remain. The greatest, the lead role is, goes to, in this trio, the lead role goes to love. And this love gives us hope. This love is about, about God's will, and this love is for others. And the very nature of love is that it pours itself out for others. So now we'll We'll finish reading Romans 5, 5, which we started with. And our understanding may not be 100% on this verse, but the more you meditate on it, the more your understanding grows. So it goes from 5 to 10 to 20 to 30 to 40. The more you read it, read it in context, read it in the rest of Scripture, uh, experience trials, Uh, experience these things, the more your understanding of Scripture grows. Now, let me say your understanding of Scripture uh, grows not just through uh, reading the Word. That is very important, reading the Word and meditating on the Word. But the understanding of Scripture grows through trials, tribulations. It is the only way you're going to fully understand the Scripture and then rely on, on God and find hope in Him. So please read, please meditate on the scriptures, but realize the only way this is going to fully blossom is through the, uh, the suffering. And that's what it says in verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You might, you know, sometimes we think of hope coming first. That is a valid way of thinking. But here in this passage, Paul is saying that hope is actually the product of character, of strong character, because it has to do with certainty, something solid, something strong, something that is developed within us. It is not something that is just a wish or an idea up out there, or as human hope, oh, I I hope that this will happen someday. It has to do with character. That's why it goes from character to hope. It has to do with something that God develops within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And that love is not just for me, it's for the world around me, it's for my family, it's for my church. It's that. I need your love, Lord, pour it into me. And it's meant to be poured into us so that it flows out of us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. So now we're going to pray. And then we're going to, I've asked Christine, she had it on her heart. I'm going to ask Christine to pray for Fran because she had it on her heart to pray for Fran. And our dear sister Fran needs hope and she needs a miracle. Um, She's very much a part of this ministry team here. She's here all the time helping and serving. But sadly, the doctors put the camera into her into her uh, body this week and found that her artery between her heart and her lungs is hardened, uh, diseased and hardened to, to such a degree that only one-third of it is operating. Uh, two-thirds of it is not operating correctly. So we need to pray for her, um, pray for a miracle for her. But first, let's let's just pray about this message. Father, we want to thank you for what you say in your word about hope. And really, we want your definition of hope. We want to experience that hope within us, a hope that transcends our hope. We think of Abraham and how it says in Scripture, against all hope he hoped. In other words, against all human hope, he found his hope in God. And God gave him life and Sarah life, and they gave birth to Isaac. May we be a people who are pregnant with your hope, Lord. And where our attitude needs adjustment, Where we need correction, correct us, Lord. Lift us up into your outlook, your perspective, your expectancy. Let us be expecting your good and your breakthrough and your power and your love, Lord, being poured out. And, Father, this is my prayer for us as a congregation. Pour out your love within our hearts. Pour out your love in our hearts so much that we're overflowing and it's going to those around us. Lord, we just open up our vessel right now, the vessel of our hearts that you would pour your love in. Pour your love in, Lord. Let hope hope anchor us let hope lift us let your hope become a more and more a part of our souls and our thoughts and our thinking save us from the hopeless thinking lord that we've all been guilty of i've been guilty of it and i know that we all are guilty of hopeless thinking But that's why we have your word, to give us certainty, to give us what is solid. So renew our minds, Lord, today. And as it's just one week till Gideon's and Tabu's wedding, we pray that their marriage would be founded on the hope of Jesus Christ, on that strong foundation that you would speak to them all this week and you would prepare their hearts. Above the human preparation that we've been doing, you prepare them, Father, for what is ahead and what they're doing. And you speak to them and your word, let it be like light to them. Thank you, Father. And for everyone that is contending for a miracle with their bodies, bring, bring them the hope that you are the healer, Lord. You are our healer. You are our restorer. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory and the praise.